Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about very important topic because many people are asking me about this topic, how to create brand awareness, strong brand recognition, because without that, it's hard to grow, it's hard to get results, it's hard to sell your products. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Kyle Dufort. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, for me, it's a big pleasure to learn about uh, creating brand awareness because it's my passion. I spend some time on social media to create my personal brand, to create uh, brand recognition for my company. So before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this topic. Well, gosh, um, well, like I said, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure and, and uh, support your country and everything it's going through. So thanks for uh, taking time to do this. Um, gosh, I've been in uh, branding, design, uh, working with companies uh, from a digital standpoint, e-commerce for 20, 25 years. And uh, what I found is that I, while I enjoyed e-commerce, while I enjoyed certain aspects of business management and so forth, what I really enjoyed the most was telling kind of compelling stories. And, and so as a storyteller in the business world, it marries up really nicely with what a brand is. And so uh, I've been doing it for a long time for some well-known brands, Dr. Martin's, uh, keen footwear. Uh, I was at Nike for what I say a hot minute. Uh, and so um, everyone has the same challenges, no matter how big or small. And so if there's some way that our company here now, uh, the brand leader can, um, can help other businesses understand how to create a compelling, meaningful brand that has great brand position and a story behind it, then you might be able to sell some product or services. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, sharing stories, uh, is a must-have today because you know many marketing campaigns are generic. For example, you know uh, uh, I love to analyze uh, marketing campaigns from big brands. Uh, for example, Apple, Tim Cook, when he shared a story about uh, a new Apple Watch. After that, I bought three pairs for me, for my son, for my wife, because you know these guys can kill me if I don't buy it for them. But you know it's interesting that uh, uh, Tim Cook didn't share features didn't share anything about this Apple Watch that others uh, might have as well, but he shared three stories, how uh, Apple Watch can decide my problems, simplify my life, you know, many things. So that's why I bought three pairs. Right now, the Atlantic Ocean owns my Apple Watch, happens. But, you know, it's interesting that, <laughs> uh, can you tell how to create a story uh, more about this uh, uh, way of uh, sharing knowledge, skills, because, you know, uh, for example, I love reading books. And I found that many books uh, share stories, but they are good for sleeping. You know, if you have the problem with sleeping, you can read a book before sleep, sleep well all night, don't remember anything from this book. But some books are great. You know, for example, even uh, my loving offer is Jack London, uh, who, uh, who wrote his books, hundred years ago, but, you know, uh, I can feel that I'm part of the journey, you know, when I read these books. Uh, business books are great, many great uh, business books, like uh, Josh Sugarman, he wrote uh, awesome books about marketing, how to retain customers, you know, uh, I can read uh, these books 
without storm. Now, uh, forget about sleep, forget about uh, meal, about water, because I am part of the story. So, tell how to share stories that retain readers, customers longer. Yeah, I love your passion, by the way. Uh, it's it's awesome. Um, and wait, I want to go back for a second. Did you say you bought three Apple Watches and you said one for me, one for myself and one for my wife? So isn't that two for you? Uh, for me, for my wife and uh, for my son. Yeah. Oh, for your son. OK, I thought you said yeah, two yeah. for yourself. I was like, OK, that's that's all right. <laughs> um, but, but let's let's start there, because I think that's that's super compelling when you talk about Tim Cook, not talking about the product, but telling stories. That's everything you need to know about a successful business. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about what we call brand archetypes. Um, some people you might, uh, you, your listeners might be familiar with Carl Jung, a uh, Swiss psychologist who came up with the, uh, well, now, now we know them as the Jungian archetypes. And there's 12 personality archetypes in which he had said, kind of uh, from a psychiatric, a psychological point of view, um, humans all gravitate more toward one than the other 11. And so there's, you've heard of these, it's the creator, the outlaw, the hero, uh, the ruler, the caregiver, the everyman. And uh, a year ago in a book called uh, The Hero and the Outlaw, it was in the 90s, uh, two authors and researchers uh, thought, well, if, if businesses and brands are kind of like people, we say that there's no such thing as a corporation, a corporation acts like a person, like an entity. And if the Jungian archetypes work with people, then you should be able to say that all brands and companies have an archetype. And they took that train of thought down this lane. And now it's kind of widely accepted that all brands have some sort of archetype. Now, a lot of brands don't know what it is and may have fallen into it. And some brands try to go back and forth. Ones that aren't really uh, the leaders in their industry, but are trying to compete might slip in and out of different ones, trying to find a compelling story. And in which case they lose market share. But take Apple, for example, and I'm glad you brought them up. Apple is a magician. They're not the creator. There's this ma magician archetype. Uh, well, you could say some some aspects of what they do as a creator brand. But as this kind of magician, you have this this notion of how do you make things happen out of nowhere? This uh, this kind of like wizardry quality of we're going to make something appear out of nothing. And if you go back to not just the Macintosh, but then you know the iPhone and the iPod, the iPod before that, and then the iPad and the iPhone and so forth. And now you're talking about AirPods and an Apple Watch. And it's like, we just take for granted that it works. That if you get something from Apple, all with consistent brand, look and feel, voice and tone, all their aesthetics, that's part of the package. And they, they tell the story of not how to use the product. I mean, they're notorious for not send, sending instructions with anything. You have to just kind of find it yourself. And even that I use, you know, I use a, you know, I use an iPhone like most people. And even that, like when you get an update or we get a new one, you have to discover what the nuances are, how the, the you've got to, of course you have to. Um, and that's really amazing. Right. And so this, this idea of things just happen and they don't know how it happens. That's part of their magic. That's part of their architect. Again, my creative director here will, will tell me that he thinks they're a creator brand, but I think they're a magician brand. Um, but the point is that story emanates from who you are, just like you tell me who you are. You tell me you have a, a wife and, and son, you're Ukrainian, you've got a successful podcast and business. I start to understand who you are. And as I dig down a little bit, what's your passion? 
what motivates you, what's your why, what's your drive, I can start articulating kind of maybe what kind of archetype you might be, or maybe your position in the market. How do we position you against other businesses, other podcasters, other digital marketers? And then we establish what we would call a brand position. What makes you different in the marketplace? This compelling story, which enables you to gain and hold on to market share. That's amazing. And then you just got to stick to it. And then just kind of these, you know, brand managers or, you know, the folks who work with the brands internally really are the ones who are just going to continue pumping those stories out to make sure that they adhere to what we've, we've, uh, we've said, this is what you are. It's why you're never going to get a cookie made by Nike. You're not going to get um, a non iPhone compatible product from Apple. It's like you, you know what to expect because they all come from the same place. And over time that becomes part of uh, just kind of the, the ether, the brand, just as much as I, as I say, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm on a- Antonelli show. People go, Oh, I know him. He's this person, this person. He loves this. He loves his wife. He's from here. He does this. He loves passion and blah, blah, blah. That becomes part of your story. And the more times people meet you, the more times people hear a commercial, read a campaign or buy a product. In this case, we're talking about Apple, buy an iPhone, buy, you know, and it keeps reinforcing that idea. It builds this strength that can't be broken. And in that, at that point, it just escapes the bounds of a business trying to corral it and becomes part of the culture. That's really the magic point there. So um, it's a long way around the, the Apple cart to explain that, but that's really why it becomes such a fun endeavor because if you get to the heart of what makes a company, a business, a product, a service tick, gosh, that's like, that's gold. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. By the way, I'm not sure that Nike, uh, probably, you know, Nike can cook uh, uh, <laughs> something because, you know, um, uh, we see many examples like, um, I don't know, Google tried to create social media, Google Plus, failed. Uh, right now, I can uh, read some rumors that uh, Tesla is going to create Tesla home to compete with Apple. Apple is trying to create a car to compete with Tesla. So we don't know. You know probably Nike will cook in some day. But of yeah. course, it's important to consider your strong side uh, to go ahead. And you mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, when you share this information, I got it. Uh, one thing that it's better to be yourself. Uh, but, you know, I see companies are trying to replicate their competitors. They want best practices, how to grow on TikTok, LinkedIn. But I found it's the wrong way because, you know, if best practices are not related to your strong sides, it's better to avoid them. For example, if uh, video content gets more engagement, higher engagement, it doesn't mean that you need to jump on the skill if you are good with writing. You can right. get results with writing. You can get results with audio podcast. Uh, let's talk about content marketing. Can you tell how to create the right strategy considering your strong side? Well, first I would say just don't try to do what other people are doing because that's their story to tell, you know? Uh, people can see your customers or future customers or potential customers or never will be customers can see right through that. Uh, it's why, um, you know, Pepsi has its own marketing campaigns and doesn't try to compete with Coke. If anything, when they, if you remember the Pepsi challenge is more about how surprised you would be that Pepsi tastes better, but it wasn't about, it wasn't about like, we're going to do what Coke does because they can't. And if they try, they fall on their face. So number one, I would say, don't try to do what your competitors are doing because they're coming, if they're doing it right, they're coming from their own core, from who they are, from what makes them tick. 
that's not you. That's inherently not you. Yeah. So you will always, and we've all gotten emails from, uh, from a business, from a brand that is phoning it in, that doesn't know what to send out that day. So it would just make something up. And it always feels like it's just, you know, kind of like a, like they didn't care. We can't treat our customers like they're dumb because they, they understand that they feel it. You might not see it when you throw something out or you try to compete with somebody else by kind of doing the same thing they're doing. But many times your customer will see right through that. So, so don't do that. Uh, but I would say for content marketing and, and social media and all these things, again, it's, everything is reinforcing who you are. So yes, you're right. There are best practices um, to make sure that you're doing. So if it's posting a certain time of the day, if it's posting and tagging certain things, it's not the fact that you are tagging specific things. That's going to come from your story, but it's the fact that you are tagging is the best practice, just as an example. So I would say the best way to use content marketing is, again, to, to continue to create that connection with your consumer. A brand is really an emotional connection between a, a product, business, or service with the customer or a potential customer. So anything you can do to create that emotional connection works. And uh, when it does, uh, you know, like I said, that's, that's important. So talk about what makes the business tick, what makes the brand tick. Uh, if you're, but it all depends back back to the archetype conversation. We'll talk about Nike again. Nike is an aspirational brand because they're a hero brand. They're a hero archetype. So their whole point of view is we're going to show you amazing pictures of people in action because that's, a, that's aspiring, that's inspiring. And so these aspirational quotes, these uh, legendary campaign taglines, which turned into slogans like just do it, become like such an inspirational part that we aspire to be what those people are. That doesn't work for every other brand because that's not where they're coming from. Nike is trying their their core mission statement is that everyone's an athlete. And so if they really believe that, then they're going to inspire everybody, not just particular people. And so another brand uh, stay in that lane, you know, Adidas or Puma or Saucony or on. Uh, they can't have the same story because they will never compete with a BMF like Nike. So what's their story? Why did they start? Well, uh, you know, Audi is very firmly entrenched in soccer and European tradition. How can we mine that? What does that mean? What are our users compelled to be talking about? Um, and so forth. So it's, it's less looking outward in what your competitors are doing and look more into the conversation. And, and if you can do that, then, you know, then you're onto something. Yeah, yeah, agree. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, how to create uh, great content. For example, you know, uh, I see when uh, many brands uh, are overselling, you know, they are trying to sell more than help and support others. Uh, but today, uh, you can you can create great content if you help others, if you support them, if you share value as much as possible. So can you tell how to create the right strategy uh, that uh, will bring results, engagement, and create brand awareness? Well, I mean, the strategy depends on, on what you're trying to accomplish and, and you know what you're trying to do, right? So the, the biggest thing, and we rely a lot of on our, our brand strategies here, we rely a lot on our clients as well. And we try not to you know, there's an old saying like, you know, excuse me, sir, your strategy is showing. You try not to like teleport to people or te sorry, telegraph to people what their what your strategy is doing, because people don't want to feel used. They don't want to feel dumb. Right. They're not dumb. And so the biggest thing for us is what is the end game? Are you trying you know, you can have parallel strategies for different things. So the first identifier is like, why? What are you trying to accomplish? 
Are you trying to sell more product? That's one, obviously. Are you trying to let people know who you are? We call awareness. That's another. Your tactics to achieve those results are going to be different. That informs the strategy. I'm not going to spend a million dollars on advertising if my goal is just to um, you know, bring some awareness to the and not having them convert. So you have to identify what what's your point, what's your purpose, right? So that's number one. After you do that, the biggest thing is who who's your audience? Who are you speaking to? And and this would probably dovetail from the corporate or brand personas that you've created or that your brand agency has helped you create. So who are you trying to speak? Where are they? You know, if uh, if I want to talk to you, where are you located right now, by the way? Florida. Okay, so you're in Florida. So if I'm trying to reach you, you know, a 30-something-year-old guy in Florida who's married with kids and, you know, he enjoys digital marketing, um, and I know you're in Florida, then that's a very particular audience. It's a very slim margin. And so I'm going to pay a lot more money to target people like you, but the, the payoff is that I know who you are. I'm not going to be hitting a whole bunch of other people in other states or, or whatever. But many times people don't know who they're going after. And so they, they do what we call a spray and pray campaign where you just kind of spill everything out there and hope that it takes hold. But again, that falls short because people can, people can tell if they're not being spoken to. You're, you have a very generic message going across a very generic landscape, hitting a bunch of different people, and you don't know how it's going to land. People interpret things differently. So who are you speaking to? Where are they? And what's the right message? That message can be different as long as it comes from the same story. So what's your brand promise? What's your brand positioning? Why are you better than somebody else? Why would people pick you over them? What's the inherent value? It's okay if your product's more expensive. It's okay if your service is, is a luxury service or, or whatever. As long as you're not trying to tell a different story than that. It's, it, it's one thing like people pay. We talk about Apple. People pay $600, $1,000 for an iPhone. And that's okay. They're not trying to say their story is not that they're the cheapest one. Their story is not to say that they're uh, an al- you know, alternate for Samsung. Their story is we, we're Apple. We hate, we make magic. We make things happen out of you know, nothing. You want us because we're a great product. So they know who they are. So they're not trying to sell you on that. They're not trying to say, oh, it's only $1,000. They're saying you need this product and here's what it is. So it, it's the right message to the right time to the right group of people. And that's, that's huge. And then when you get down to the tactics of it, okay, how do you do that? How do you reach them? That's the very executional. Your strategy is all of that. It's the message. It's the person. It's the, it's the time of day. It's the how long the campaign's going for, what the campaign says. So it's hard to answer the question of like, how do you do it? Because it's kind of like saying like, I want a car. Okay, well, do you want a two-door or a four-door or a sports car or, you know, a van or how many people are you taking or, or you know, not? I need to know, do you want new or old? What's your budget? There's so many things to ask along the way. And so I think you brought something up inherently uh, um, in your question is that most people don't ask those questions. They want to get right to the chase. Where do I spend my money to get the biggest return? I would say, slow down. Look at who your audience is. Look at where your position is. And do you need to shore those things up first? If you don't know who your audience is, figure that out. If you don't know your story, figure that out. If you don't know your message, figure that out and so forth. Then then you can have a compelling way to reach those people. And the, the tactical way of doing it is part of that strategic foundation. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, makes sense. Okay, uh, I'm interested about uh, how to create the feeling of owning some products. For example, you know, 
after watching uh, the presentation with Tim Cook, I got the feeling, okay, I can have this Apple Watch on my hand. You know, uh, for, if I watch presentation, I don't know, like, for example, BMW, a new BMW. You know, uh, I see happy people who uh, drive car, you know, uh, awesome car. And, uh, you know, I can feel it. Oh, I can drive this car as well. You know, I get this feeling. So um, if I read books, uh, I don't know, like, uh, um, for example, Jack London, I can feel that I'm the part of this adventure, you know, so I can forget about uh, meal, about water, about anything, because I can feel that I'm on this book, on this adventure. So can you tell how to create this feeling of owning your uh, product, brand, because customers usually change their heart and money with products if they feel that money costs less than buying products. Any insights about creating the yeah. feeling of owning? I mean, it's, it goes back to storytelling, right? I'll give you, I'll give you a quick story to explain storytelling. If it's, that's kind of funny. Um, my daughter calls me, well, she texts me this morning and says, um, I'm going to be late to school. That's a story that tells you what's going on, right? It, it, you know exactly who you're talking about, my daughter, I know where she's going. I happen to know she's on the bus. I got all the facts, right? Is it a fun, compelling story? No. What really happened was it's been storming here for a couple of days. Lightning strikes more this morning than the last 10 years combined. The storm that rattled up from Texas has now driven across the Eastern Plains and now hit the East Coast and it dumped on us this morning. A deluge of water spilled everywhere to the point that the school bus couldn't make it on time because they had to go so slow. Lightning bolts hit near the bus, scared the children to the point where they were crying. Some of them were calling their parents. The bus driver had to call the police to let them know that, you know, that, well, that's a story. Same information, right? Couldn't get to school. And we didn't finish the story, but couldn't get to school because of all these things, but it's compelling. You can feel like you're there. So the reason you like Jack London is because Jack London is a hell of an author, you know? Uh, I mean, Call of the Wild, White Fang, these are great, they're classic books for a reason because he knows how to tell a story to make you feel like you're there. So I would say it's not just telling the story, it's telling a great story. You know, everyone's a storyteller. Everyone say, hey, what did you do today? Everyone tells a story back, but a compelling, fun story that makes you feel like you're there now that's special. That takes a really gifted copywriter. It takes a great storyteller. It could be a great video director or filmographer, or it could be a creative director or a designer who's telling that story visually. That's really what it is. And so a lot of people make the mistake, and maybe people listening to this are thinking, well, I'm a great storyteller. Ask the people who you're telling stories to. Ask your wife, ask your friends, ask your colleagues at work. Like, hey, when I tell you a story, is it exciting? Or are you looking at the clock going like, I wish this guy would shut up? Or, you know, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what makes it fun. And, and, and telling those fun, compelling stories through advertising, whether it's digital marketing or a, a retargeting ad or a traditional campaign that's on a billboard or a magazine, or, or it could be something easy as a subject line in an email. We can all identify those brands that do it really well because they're the ones we open, they're the ones we read, they're the ones we're talking about today. So it's more about getting the right author to write the story about your brand. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, love it. Okay, let's talk about finding the right channel. For example, you know, many marketing books offers share that you need to find where your audience is. You know, I disagree with that. Let me explain why. You know, for example, you know, if my audience on Instagram, 
I can burn out for a few days, you know, uh, to create content for Instagram, to spend time there. Uh, for example, my wife, if uh, she finds that her audience on LinkedIn, he burns out for a few hours, you know, on LinkedIn because it's not her format. But she loves uh, spending time on Instagram. Uh, for me, it's more important to spend time on LinkedIn uh, because uh, of loving some specific channels. And even on TikTok, I think you can find your customers if you adapt your uh, content to TikTok users to get results on that if you love spending time on TikTok. So can you tell about how to find the right channel considering your preferences? For example, if I uh, don't like Instagram, if I don't know how to create content on Instagram, I'm not sure that I can get results on Instagram uh, even if I try many times, because I can burn out for some time, you know. And many content creators, according to studies, I don't remember exactly the number, like 50% of content creators don't create the second piece of content because they can't get results from the first one. But it, you know, you need to have patience. You need to go ahead without results, without engagement, without uh, sales, just to keep doing this. Like, uh, for example, PewDiePie, he filmed 100 videos to get uh, 285 subscribers. He didn't give up because he loves YouTube, you know, he loves uh, filming. Uh, Mr. Beast filmed videos an year and a half to get first thousand subscribers. He didn't give up He uh, because of loving what he does. And right now, you know, these guys, they have 110 million subscribers. Any insights how to find the right channel considering your preferences? Yeah, it's more considering your audiences, right? So, yeah, and, and you hit it on the head, too. It's also about just staying with it and making sure you don't give up. Uh, most people give up in anything. And so just making sure you're staying with it. Uh, you have to know, again, back to what we answered last time is what's the right audience? Who's your persona? Who are you speaking to? And where are they? It was one of the one of the kind of key ingredients I mentioned is like know who they are, where they are, what's the right message. So are they on LinkedIn? Are they on you know Twitter? Are they on TikTok? If they're not, where are they? Because your audience is someplace. And if you think they're a little here and a little there and a little there, then it's not your audience because your audience all reacts very similar. They have the same behaviors to a point, right? To an extent. And where do they typically go? Where does the most of them go? Those are the kind of questions you need to be asking. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a book lover like yourself. I read a lot of fiction. Um, and so a lot of that stuff that I find is on Two, two channels, Goodreads and Instagram. And that's it. I can I can get everything I need to know from there. So if I'm a, a publisher or an author and I want to try to hit those people, I'm not going to go to Facebook and to Google search and to TikTok and and, uh, and LinkedIn because I know uh, in, in my limited knowledge, I'm not saying this is prescriptive to anybody, but um, th that's typically where they are. So how can I attract those people there? So it's almost like the channel is derived from your audience rather than the other way around. If you love being on Instagram, if that's just your thing, then I would challenge you to not form a brand that's on Instagram, but to create a service which caters to people who want to be on Instagram. Because it's not what you love, it's what your customers love. It's where your customers are, not where you want to be. There's a big difference there. But business owners make that mistake, and they're like, well, I love, I love uh, TikTok. I personally don't. I don't get it. My children get it, but I don't. Um, but if I said I love TikTok, I'm going to go be on TikTok, but my entire audience is someplace else, then I've lost the plot. 
And so it's really, you have to ask those questions. What's in the best interest of your customer or potential customer? Otherwise it falls flat. It makes no sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I opened your LinkedIn profile and oh I see your, pos- right. <laughs> yeah, I see your position, executive creative director. Can yes. you tell more about creativity? You know, uh, how to be creative in your uh, content creation process? Because, you know, uh, I see still businesses use uh, generic messages, generic marketing campaigns, replicating their competitors. You know, competitors right. have, they just replicate, uh, but they don't consider unique selling proposition. They don't consider that their customers are different. So any insights about creativity, how to win attention with creativity? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I might answer the, a lot of the, the same questions, the different questions the same way. A, a lot of it is just trying to, you know, get back to that storytelling, understand who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, what as a, as the what we call the ECD, the executive creative director here, as, as that role, my job is to make sure that all the departments, and we have, you know, web developers and creative people, you know, graphic designers, copywriters, digital marketers, uh, social media people. My job is to make sure that they're all telling the story for the client, for the brand. And all of it rolled up together is what we're presenting to them. So I want to make sure that they're not off on their own doing their own thing, but there's a red thread through everything. So that's um, the fun thing for me. The fun part for me is coming up with the idea, coming up with something that supports, that's the key word, supports the integrity of the brand, supports what we want the message to be. The message and the story aren't necessarily the same thing. They're not the same words. Everything, you know, what's my mission? We start with mission, vision, values when we build brands. And okay, why did you start this company? Why did you mortgage your house to put, you know, to put a, a business together? Why did you hire these people? What, why did you make this product? What's the why? What's, you know, how do you start there? And we come up with the mission. What's the, you know, what's the goal? basically what's your future vision what's your purpose what what do you see the world uh, through the lens of your business and you know in the future one five ten years down the road whatever we take all that and we say okay so you're trying to get everyone in the world to run you're trying to show everyone can be an athlete you're trying to get the the most advanced technical products in the hands of everybody whatever it might be okay what's the right message to get that across what's your brand story why do you do this what's your position uh, and so forth. What's your, um, what's the campaign that's going to illuminate that message to a broader audience or, or a more specific audience. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you can have a brand campaign, which lasts typically like three, four five years. You can have like an annual campaign. You can have a seasonal campaign. You can have a product campaign, right? So a brand campaign, like a, like a just do it, it's kind of, and remember that actually started as a as a campaign tagline and morphed into because it became so popular, morphed into kind of like the identity of of Nike. Now it's a brand statement. So that's all you're going to see that five years ago. You're going to see it five years from now. But as they sell different types of products, as they go into different seasons, as they focus on Tour de France in the summertime and football in the fall and baseball in the spring and whatever, you're going to see. Everything's coming from the same spot, but just spoken a little differently to different audiences at different times. And so being creative, going back to that question, is how do you tell that story to a different audience, all within your kind of grander audience, at different times for different reasons? And that's that's the key. So to tell you how to be creative, uh, I'm not the guy to tell you that. I, I think it's one of the gifts God's given me and, and my staff over here, uh, which has been awesome. 
Um, but it's, it's, you know, you work at it really hard. You, tr you, you know, you throw a lot of stuff against the wall. We write a lot of stuff that sucks. We shoot a lot of stuff that sucks. We design a lot of stuff that sucks. Um, because you have to go through that. You have to workshop it. You have to talk through it. You have to see if it lands. You have to test it. You have to go through all these things. And over time, and in, many of us have been in this industry 25 years, over time you start understanding what works and why and when and so forth. So if you want to be creative, you know, um, just start start doing and start writing, start designing, start creating somehow, uh, and then just continue to uh, to hone your craft as you go on, share it with people, find like-minded people. Like you said, read some books, go to classes, um, you know, workshop that stuff. The, 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 the thing I hate the most in the creative world is when someone just says, Oh, I have a new camera. I'm, I'm an hour photographer. No, you're a guy who has a camera, right? The, the, <laughs> the barrier to entry, you know, when I first started, you know, like I said, 25 years ago or so 30 years ago, I graduated high school. You go, um, there was you know, Photoshop was so rudimentary and you couldn't afford it. It was so expensive computers. I mean, you know, my first Macintosh, my grandparents gifted to me, it was so too expensive for my parents to buy. So they bought it for us. And it was like, not everyone had it uh, to get a really high end film camera back then. Cause nothing was digital. It was thousands of dollars. You need the studio lights, all these things. Nowadays, the barrier to entry is so low. You can mix your own music on your laptop. You can, you can shoot with your iPhone, you can, and it's amazing. It's a, we've never had more creative people in the world than right now. And it's an amazing thing. But just because you have the tool doesn't mean you're the artist. It means you want to be the artist. You want to be the creator and share that with other people. Let other, you know, have, have thick skin, let people, you know, tell you what's wrong with it so you can make it better. It's, you know, Rome wasn't built in a night. And, uh, uh, and I think that's, that's the hardest thing for me is when people say, Oh, I just graduated college. I'm, I'm a this. No, you know, you're, you're not a doctor unless you go through 12 years of experience and then you have to practice for a long time. You're not a, you're not a this if you're, unless you practice. Uh, so that's, I'm getting off topic here because I get excited about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, I think, you know, uh, you need to make mistakes. Uh, I remember when uh, Elon Musk shared about mistakes, he told, if you don't make mistakes, uh, that means you are not innovative enough. No, yeah. no. Elon Musk makes mistakes. For me, you know, it's hard to count how many mistakes I made alone. I keep doing them because uh, I know that I can learn from mistakes. I remember when Shaquille O'Neal shared about how he learns something new. Uh, he starts from mistakes. Uh, anything. If you start from scratch, you start from mistakes. Yeah. Then, but it's, uh, you know, and he called it's not a mistake. He called it's like education, you know, uh, you get education and you can't get this education without making mistakes. So it's part of the journey. And uh, that, shared the book. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to agree with you. I was going to see if I could find the quote real quick. But no, I agree. I think the best way to learn is through failure. And if you can work with people who allow you to fail, who allow, I expect people to fail. I fail nine times out of 10. But if you can learn from that one time that you succeed and apply it in the future, man, you've got you've got something winning there, and and that's really important. Um, I just want to see if I can find this real quick. Um, I I probably won't be able to find it, but um, the uh, is a great quote from um, uh, from M Night Shyamalan who had said something mm -hmm. about 
he had said something about like um, he looks at these at his mistakes in his life. I'll, I'll see if I can find it somewhere. Maybe I can email it to you. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but not as but not as mistakes, but as like moments of teaching of moments of, and, I, and I'm, I'm forgetting how he said it, but in a way that was really beautiful, that really, it kind of, I want to fail because I want to understand what I did wrong. I want to understand how I can make it better or how I can be better myself. That's the fun thing about being a human is like understanding how to continually get better. Uh, and, and being a creator is no different than that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you create content, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the best advice that I got uh, was, to film a hundred bad videos, you know, film a hundred bad videos because you can acquire experience, you can acquire confidence how to film videos, then you can create valuable, uh, awesome content. Without experience, I don't know how you how you can compete with Mr. Beast. Even yeah, it's hard to compete with him. Uh, you need to spend many years, you know, to work hard to to have this passion, but. Uh, if you compete with other content creators, you know, yeah, you need to have this experience by doing mistakes. So, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I, I, have, yeah I have the question about, uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about creating brand awareness? Uh, well... Yeah. Nowadays, you can go to college and, and schools to learn so much about brands and advertising. And, and, and you, you know, you can kind of it's so splintered down. You can kind of pick what you want to learn about. If you want to learn about the psychology of brands or, you know, why people spend money or, or where they, they do it or how to create things. I mean, there's so many different ways. So, so you can kind of pick your lane. Lots of marketing schools offer this. Lots of advertising schools offer this. Uh, if that's not affordable to you or if that's not a, a place that you want to go after it, there's a lot of great books that you can read. I mean, there's hundreds of them. Um, I would start for brand, even though it's advertising based. I'd start with David Ogilvie's Confessions of an Ad Man. If you're a fan of Mad Men at all, like uh, it's the, the era that kind of the, the start of advertising in you know the 50s and 60s. Ogilvy in 1963 put this put this book. I think it was 63. It could have been 65, but whatever. He put this book out all about advertising, what you need to learn. And it's it's invaluable and it holds up today. So go read, like go, you know, consume, uh, understand these things, ask questions. Uh, and I would say, you know, try to get an internship at a company like ours or another one where you can just absorb, you can do things, just offer to do things in the office just to be around people who talk this language because it's a very specific language. Uh, and yes, yeah, so there's a couple different options for to, to kind of figure out where to go into. Nice, nice, Carl. Yeah, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, you share a lot of available insights. Tell our audience the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Yeah, well, you can learn about the business at thebrandleader.com. Uh, we are a 35-person agency here in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, soon to have an office up in New York City. So we, uh, uh, we're around. You can find us. Uh, my personal website is kyledoforward.com, um, where it's a little bit more personal, a little bit you know, more about my faith and some of the books I've authored. But, uh, and that's how you can, uh, you can find us. You can follow me. Uh, on LinkedIn. It's just my last name. You'll be able to find there's not many people named my name, just probably like yours as well. Um, and uh, you can also just email us at the website and happy to take an email or a call from somebody. 
Yeah, okay, guys, you can find uh, the right links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime. Share more valuable insights. I love it, guys. You need to follow Kyle. You need to open his website. Uh, I edit this uh, website yeah, in the podcast episode, so check out notes. Uh, thanks again. A big pleasure. Love it, guys. Uh, love you and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.